Why don't we get started? Father in heaven, we do thank you for allowing us into your holy presence tonight. We thank you also that you have a message for us. And you have a message for us that will be edifying, that will build us up, teach us, encourage us, and strengthen us. So we thank you, Lord, for that message tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Amen, amen, amen. Well, I'm going to continue to pray for people tonight, so I'm going to teach you some and, and stir up your faith and encourage you to go out and use the power that God's given you for good. The Bible says that Jesus how Jesus of Nazareth was anointed with the Holy Ghost and power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil because God was with him. And so we want to understand these supernatural things so that God can help us to walk with him and be used by him as instruments to do good in the earth. So we're going to talk about the anointing that destroys the yoke. The anointing that destroys the yoke. Because I think it's good to understand that there is a a destroying power that is needed that also brings in healing when it's administered. Um, There's so much that that we could say about the power of God. So I'm going to try and keep it in a place where we can all grab onto it and understand it so that we can, can apply it to our lives and you can develop your faith you know that god will use you empower you in greater and greater ways and use you as his instruments to do good in the earth isaiah ten twenty seven says and it shall come to pass in that day we're talking about the day of release the day of jesus christ the day of deliverance the day of salvation that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder And his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. So really, when you're anointed by God, you have a destructive force on the inside of you. That's why the people at your job don't like to see you come. And I'm talking about the unsaved ones. And the churchgoers that are merely religious and not, you understand what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Because it is a destructive power. Your faith is also a judgmental power. Did you know that? The Bible says that Noah passed judgment upon the whole world with his faith. Hmm? Oh, yeah. And he condemned the whole world to die. Why? Because he believed God. When one person uses faith, people who are in unbelief already are judged wrong. So when you when you stand up and people, <clears throat> you know, you get in these little conversations and people are saying things like, well, I don't believe that Benny Hinn stuff. That stuff is fake. That man is not real. And you stand up and say, no, that's true because God healed me. I was sick with a nervous breakdown and God healed my mind and I've never taken pills since. And that's been, what, 30 years. And so when I tell you that, by the spirit of truth, that passes judgment on the person who's trying to make fun of a healing minister. See? That's why they get mad at you. Because if there was no power there to pass judgment on them, 
they could just consider it another discussion and continue to argue with you. But you notice that most people will back down when the spirit of truth shows up. They may try and argue a little bit. Mostly what they'll do is go behind your back and talk about you when, you know what I'm saying, you go in the room and where the coffee is and want a cup of coffee and everybody get quiet. Huh? That's because your faith passed judgment on their unbelief. See, every time we speak truth and speak God's word, there is a power that is released on our words that has a destructive effect on lies, things that aren't true, and unbelief, and it has a a building up effect of itself. It begins to manifest itself. So the the anointing of God does all of those things. It is both destructive to that which is not lining up with the word of God, and it is building up to encourage itself to manifest itself and be real. And so this is what we are here to do when God leaves us here to preach and to teach and to help people and to pray for people. We are here to use this force called the anointing to do all of those things. That's why a lot of times Christians have trouble and they don't take into account what they're involved in. The anointing will cause you most of your trouble that you ever get into down here. It will. See, you're not just a mean Christian and an unfriendly person. And you know how sometimes no, you feel like nobody likes you and you wonder what's wrong with you? Maybe I should tone down my witnessing or not be so forceful. Maybe I say it wrong. Maybe I ought to, you know, change it and sound, what are they, tactful? There ain't, our God ain't tacky, all right? And I know that's the wrong spelling of the word tack, but he ain't, we don't serve no tacky God. You understand what I'm saying? So you don't need tact. The Bible says speak the truth in love. And that means just speak the truth true. Huh? When you speak it by unction of the spirit, it's always in love. So God never says anything that is not love. You know, even when Jesus would rebuke the Pharisees, it was done in love. Because that gave them an opportunity to repent and get on board and serve God. And so we have to understand that everything that comes from this unction, from this anointing, is powerful. It has destructive power, and it has building up power because it will manifest itself. So it says the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Now, a yoke is an instrument that binds two animals together. You've all seen the old picture of the two oxen, and they have this wooden piece of wood across both their necks, and both of their necks are harnessed inside of it. And it is to level out the burden of work on both animals. So the yoke really is the controlling force between the two animals. It keeps them moving in unison so that the load can be pulled effectively so that one animal can't lag back and put a drag on the other animal. So it is a controlling force. And this is what the anointing breaks. It destroys the controlling force that keeps sickness on people, that keeps sin on people, that keeps disease on people, that keeps demonic activity on people. It it destroys 
not breaks, not removes. It destroys the controlling force. Now, you know, when something is destroyed, it doesn't exist anymore, yes? So when we talk about a yoke being destroyed, that is a permanent removal of whatever that controlling force is that causes people to get bound in to sickness, <clears throat> bound in to destruction, bound in to things that will destroy their body. One of the ladies today told me that when we prayed for her at the altar, she was the lady that went out and, and the she had a lump on her breast, and when she went out to check it, it was gone. And she told me, she said, it's still warm, my body's still warm. I said, well, <clears throat> God removed the lump, but now he's working on the root. See? Yeah. So the lump really is just the fruit. And when he works, when you see, when we pray to get rid of something, we pray to destroy the root. I cursed it at the root. Jesus, when he cursed the fig tree, was dried up from the root. It does no good to destroy fruit and leave the root. How many of you know when you pull weeds, don't you want to look? You look at that and them, them teeth is long. I got it all this time. If it's broke off in there, you know, <coughs> tell me about it. Another weed is going to pop up pretty soon. So that's what God instructs us to do. And if you destroy the root as well as the fruit, you get the whole thing. And so this is what you want to do. You want to work in unison with the Word of God. You want to do everything that the Word of God tells you to do to affect a healing and a cure for people. So when the yoke is destroyed, that means the devil can walk around and try to find the pieces to put them back together again, to put it back on you, but he can't find them because it's destroyed. Huh? You ever, you ever have something that you like, like a, a glass jar of, or vase vase? In my dignity, I said vase. And one of them things, you know, the, you know, the ones that you don't like to dust and you don't like to wash them, but the pretty ones that you like. And you keep them in a secure place. Why? Because if they fall and break and crash into all those pieces, how are you going to glue them back together again? Well, it's the same thing with the controlling power for sickness, any kind of demonic activity. When the anointing comes in, it destroys, it breaks it into so many pieces that it can't be put back together again. Now, see, if we know that about the anointing, then we will appreciate the fact that we can be totally delivered from certain things. We can be totally set free from certain things. When the anointing comes in, it's a permanent work, even so much so that in another place the Holy Spirit says that God will make an utter end to affliction. He says God will make an utter end. This affliction will not rise up a second time. Now, in order for that to happen, it has to be supernatural, folks. You ever... You ever wonder about some some things, why people can't get rid of them? Because the natural realm gives permission for yokes to be maintained. See? Like when you go to the doctor, there are many things they'll say, well, you know, we can give you this, but I can't guarantee it won't come back again. Huh? 
Sometimes they'll say, <clears throat> put on your diagnosis, especially if you have something more than once, they'll say chronic. See, the devil always wants permission back in your life. You know, all you did was had, had you know, the uh, bladder, you had to go for your bladder pills twice, now you chronic all of a sudden. Huh? It used to be they told you if if cancer was gone for five years or more, you were considered cured. Now everything's remission. You ever, you, you know, remission is permission for it to come back again. See, there's a lot of stuff they'll say now. They used to, to get, you know, let you get off the hook. Here, when I was, at, of course, we won't talk about when I was in nursing. Yes, the patient in room 311 is still waiting for somebody to come get the bedpan. Ah, but I ain't coming. I'm preaching now. Oh. <laughs> it's been 30 years ago. He's still sitting up there ringing for the nurse. I ain't coming. <laughs> but you know, and in in you know, this the devil really. Now y'all gotta listen to this. This upsets me. The devil is trying to make a a a beautiful thing out of sickness. Now, I mean, you know, like. Now people are, I'm a cancer survivor. You know, that sounds like a reality show. Don't they have a reality show called Survivor? I mean, there's so much drama and, and pink bows everywhere, and you got to race for the cure. Where y'all going? Huh? The cure is in the anointing. Huh? I don't care how much money you throw at the devil. He is never going to go away because of your much spending. He is never going to go away because of your much research. He just is always going to be here. So these terms we use in the world, be careful of these things because they give the enemy permission to come back. I hate the word survivor. What are you surviving? We're supposed to be having life and that more abundantly. We're not survivors. We live an abundant life. We are healed. We are the healed of the Lord. We're not waiting for somebody to develop some cure. I'd rather sock my million dollars in the gospel. You understand what I'm saying? I mean, I'm all for medical research and all of that, but they use a whole lot of money to get a whole lot of little bit of results. You get better return on your buck, you know, (laughs) putting it into souls than some of this stuff. You know, some of this chemo, it just burns people up and, you know, radiation, they smell burnt. How would you like to... I mean, that ain't no fun, folks. And God knows it's not fun. That's why he's provided a way for us to be healed permanently. This affliction, he makes an utter end. You are not in remission. This affliction shall not rise up the second time. You are the healed of the Lord. And you don't have to go in there every year sweating. I got to go. My checkup is coming up. and I just got to go in there and. See, see what? See what? Huh? You need to taste and see that the Lord, he has already healed you. Huh? 
taste and see that. We are the healed of the Lord. Calvary is a complete and total work. The anointing, when it's applied to your life, destroys permanently anything that it touches. You really think that God is going to give us a power that will back up when the devil comes up, tries to come up again? What kind of God would we be serving? Why would you even go through all the trouble we go through to serve a God that would let the devil put something back on you after he, I mean, come on now, who's in charge here? Who's got the most power? Huh? God isn't afraid of confronting the devil. If he tries to give you symptoms again, you stand up against it again and say, I am the healed of the Lord. And this affliction is not going to come upon me a second time. God has already said it. So you take it right back out of here, devil, in Jesus' name. You have the right to refuse anything by virtue of the anointing of God. That anointing gives you the right to refuse anything that you don't want. You don't want sickness. You have a right to refuse it in Jesus' name. Anything that God's provided, you're entitled to have in his name. You don't have to receive it. You don't have to say, well, you know, when I was in the world, I did this and that and that and that. I said, well, baby, sit down and get your notebook out and let me tell you what I did. I did this and that and that and that. But we are not going to let the devil put sickness on us because our sins are forgiven. See, people look at forgiveness like what we do to each other. Hmm? I forgive you, sister. Makeup kiss. Huh? No, when God forgives you, he sits you back on his lap. He calls you his child. And he says, we're not going to bring this up anymore. I love you. And I forgive you. And I'm taking all the guilt away, all the shame away, all the penalty away. For your sin all the penalty is gone what kind of forgiveness would we have if we served a god that only lips served lip service forgive and let you stay stay sick and let you stay oppressed and let the devil put trouble on your life without giving you any kind of help what kind of forgiveness would that be doesn't do you any good and so god when he forgives he forgives totally he says in your sins and iniquities i remember no more and he doesn't want you bringing them up either he wants you to walk in forgiveness he wants you to accept the free gift of god of eternal life and that abundantly how can you have abundant life if you always think some consequence from you for your former life are waiting you around the corner see you can't enjoy a good life if you think you can't walk out of this mess that you've lived in and walk into the greatness that God has before you. And so when we apply the anointing to any situation, folks, that controlling power that kept it in our lives is totally destroyed. And you can try and reach and grab for it, try to put it back together again, and you will find it's not there. In fact, after a while, you get tired of trying to feel for it and say, well, I guess the word must be true. I guess I am healed. I guess I am delivered. And I guess I am set free. I remember when God set me free from smoking cigarettes. And I would, I, actually, I was asking for prayer for something. I was something I wanted. And, and I just felt this feeling on my tongue. 
And I knew that I would never smoke again. Just knew it. But I would have those times where I would come to a place in the day where I would think, I said, I used to do something during this time. And I said, oh, yeah, I used to smoke. It was just what ashes. See, that yoke was destroyed and burned and there's nothing. It's crumbled ashes. And ashes have no substance to them. They can't do any harm to you. There's no power to them. There's nothing. So I just would always say, it's just ashes. It's just a trace of my former life, enough of an impression in your mind to say, thank you, Jesus, that you delivered me from that habit. Thank you, Jesus, that I don't smoke anymore. Thank you, Jesus, that I'm not destroying my body. Thank you, Jesus, that I can go to church and sit for two hours with not wanting to go out and light up. You understand what I'm saying? And so it's a blessing because when the yoke is destroyed, it is totally destroyed. So <clears throat> the anointing destroys every yoke. Affliction cannot, cannot rise up a second time. God makes an utter end of things when the anointing is applied. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon believers in the form of the anointing. In 1 Samuel 10.6, there's an example of that. And I always like to use this because it gives a good example It's an Old Testament example, but the Old Testament is a shadow. The New Testament is a reality, but the power of God is still the same. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So in a symbolic way, you'll see things in the Old Testament that they had in the New Testament. In verse 6, it says, The Spirit of the Lord will come upon thee, and thou shalt prophesy with thee, with them, and shall be turned into another man. The anointing of God turns you into another person. And this is what you have to be ever so mindful of. Because in your natural self, you don't feel like you can heal anybody. In your natural self, you don't feel very powerful oftentimes. But understand, when the anointing comes upon you, you are changed into another person. You are a supernatural human being now. You're not just your natural self. Now, in Luke 4, 18, Jesus describes the anointing and what it's for. The anointing really, number one, it consecrates us. And separates us to holy purposes. So when the anointing comes upon you, or the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you, you are consecrated for holy purpose. You are set apart. You become, um, I guess, untouchable for carnality, for sin, for a lot of things. And sometimes people around you will sense this and fear. Anybody ever experienced that? Where people seem uncomfortable around you? They don't really know what to say sometimes. Sometimes even at your job, people will know they can't have certain conversations around you. And that's because the anointing has changed you into another person. Now you, whether you know it or not, or believe it or not, are not really in control of when the anointing comes upon you. 
You can't will it. You can't make it. You can sense it and yield to it. But oftentimes it's up to God when the anointing comes upon you. Now, if you're a full-time minister, you know that if you're not anointed, you won't be able to preach. You won't be able to do a lot of things. So you begin to live your life in, in fellowship and cooperation with God so that you can always have a way to know you're anointed when you need to be. But there are times when the anointing of God will come upon you at God's command simply because he owns you and he wants to separate you and consecrate you to his purpose. I remember remember Elizabeth Pruitt, the prophetess, many years ago, and she used to come sometimes and we'd have her come and, and we'd go to her meetings or, you know, things like that. But she said that she married a man um then she didn't pray about it. She grew up in a Pentecostal church and was kind of a rebellious person and married a man who was not saved. And she liked him because he liked to go to bars and fight. And she was kind of a <laughs> so much for abuse, right? We don't know who was abusing who at this point. And she said that that she did finally come back to the Lord. She said she had gotten sick and went to the doctor's office to get treatment. She just backslid totally. And she was in the doctor's office getting treatment for a sore throat, and they gave her a shot of penicillin she was highly allergic to, and she died right there in the doctor's office. And God brought her back and talked to her, and right off that table she agreed to go preach. But she was married to this man who was not a believer, and they still fought a lot. And she said that after she repented and came back to the Lord, the anointing would come upon her and her husband would be afraid to fight her. Hint, hint for women who are saved that think they're being abused. See, Baba knows some stuff. They don't think she knows. Huh? I was praying for somebody when I was a brand new minister. And the person said that the husband was abusing them and beating them up. And the Lord said, yeah, if she would get under me, she'd be fine. And he gave me the book of Daniel to read. And if you read the end of the story of Daniel, it says... And Daniel spent all night in the lion's den, and there was no hurt upon him because innocency was found in him. Now, I don't know many women who are married to lions. I've seen some gorillas. <laughs> you know, brothers that drag their knuckles across the floor. My woman, mess with my woman. Hurt you, you hit my woman. Uh, they cook me them grits in the man. <laughs> and some orangutans, you know, the ones swing from the chandelier. You come home and you look on the floor and he ain't there. You up there swinging from the. Want this chicken and gravy. Huh? <laughs> But the anointing is a consecration and a protection. 
when God sets you apart like he did Daniel, Daniel was set apart for the service of God. He had never done anything to the king to cause him to be in that lion's den. And he spent all night with hungry lions. And an angel was in there and shut the mouth of the lion. And there was no hurt found in him. Because he was innocent before God. And I say this. If you can live a life of love and forgiveness, you will always be innocent before God. And you will not be an abuse victim. And you will not be eaten alive by your spouse. And let's talk about the women that beat up on the men's while we talking about them. Huh? <laughs> huh? <laughs> huh? And you get home and you find yourself married to Monique, you know. You think you go here? <laughs> you can't go but one round with that sister because she will lay you out totally. Huh? Huh? And the diamond ain't big enough either. You better give me something in here that I can, when I give a show it to my girlfriends, I can. Huh? Oh, yeah. Huh? <laughs> See, that brother needs to go to the altar and get some of the power of God to separate and consecrate him. Huh? So the anointing really is a protection for us. He who dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The anointing is the shadow of the Almighty. And it's available to all believers. Whenever you need protection, honey, God knows how to protect you. Elizabeth Pruitt said that her husband, <clears throat> she said that sometimes he would want to hit her. And he would go to bed frustrated. And he said, I tried to hit you last night and I saw six heads and I didn't know which one to slap. Huh? <laughs> Talk about putting confusion on the enemy. But see, the anointing separates us for the use of God, not the abuse of man. You understand what I'm saying? The anointing separates us for the use of God. So let God use you and don't be afraid. Nobody can be so angry at you at your ministry that they want to destroy it. I mean, they can try. But they... <laughs> Oh, my goodness, what they going to do, go up to heaven and punch God out? I mean, seriously. These things don't have to be a threat to us. Why? Because of the anointing. You can always hide behind God, folks. You can always find refuge and protection in God. Why on earth would God put all of this? He is almighty God. Why would he put his power on you and then let somebody else destroy you? Does that make sense to you? So we have to be understanding of these things. The anointing, yes, it causes you trouble, but when you get under and hide behind it, it is your greatest protection. Your greatest protection. So you never have to fear anything as long as you <clears throat> minister and you are in the presence of God and you obey God and you're under his power. 
So the anointing consecrates you and separates you for the work of God. It changes you into another person. You are not the same person. You are a person full of power and supernatural ability to do good. Affliction will not rise a second time once the anointing has been applied. If you feel that you would prefer to have God's touch rather than man's medicine, that's the work of the anointing on your mind. So there's an anointing that comes upon us that covers the flesh, controls the flesh, and turns us into a super-duper natural human being capable of doing the works of God, And then there is an anointing for believers. Now, that was under the old covenant. That was all they had. But believers also have an inner anointing called the inner unction that teaches us. In 1 John 2, it talks about that. And this is all the Holy Spirit. All of it is a person of the Holy Spirit. He says, but you have in 1 John 2.20, you have an unction, anointing, a power from the Holy One, and you know all things. Now, that doesn't mean that you got a bunch of head knowledge buzzing around through your brain. It means that unction is the knowledge. So you have access to the one, free open access to the one who does know all things. So that's the purpose for what we call the word of knowledge and the word of wisdom comes from that inner unction. So you have an anointing, a power of the Holy Spirit on the inside of you that has all knowledge. That's why he can teach you everything. And he says, you know all things. He says, I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it and that no lie is of the truth. Wanted that one that says it teaches you. Thank you. Uh, somehow I'm not able to find it. 27? Yes, there you go. But the anointing which you have received of him lives in you, dwells in you. It's a permanent impartation. So he says it abides in you, it lives in you, it dwells in you, it's there all the time. Whether you wear short dresses, long dresses, lipstick, no lipstick, he lives in you all the time. And he says, and you need not that any man teach you, but that the same anointing teaches you of all things and is truth and is no lie. Even as it hath taught you, you shall abide in him. So this unction, there's an inner unction, there's an inner person, there's an inner anointing that teaches you everything. Now when God says he teaches you, that means that he gives you understanding of what you lay your eyes on. You can't get the Bible out of him from the inside of you. God has designed it that we would use our faith use our decision-making ability to read the word. And as we reach out in faith 
in reading the word, that inner anointing teaches us to understand what we just read. And that is true because you can take any Jehovah's Witness, you can take anybody who doesn't have the power of the Holy Spirit, and they can recite you a bunch of scriptures and not understand them one little bit. Huh? Oprah Winfrey, as intelligent as she is, has no understanding or knowledge about God or his word. And she grew up in church as a little kid. Hmm? You know why that is? No unction that teaches. You have to have the teacher on the inside to help you to understand, learn, and know the things of God. And so God provides this inner unction, an inner teacher on the inside of us that you can go to on the inside of you and he can tell you and give you understanding of what what was just read. We call it revelation. We call it the gifts of the spirit. There is a certain reward and payoff for you sitting under that teacher. And that is whatever it is that you need in any situation you get into, he is there to provide it for you because he is the unction that teaches The unction is also a person. The anointing is a person. It is one component of his personhood, but the anointing is a person. It's not a thing. We have to understand this because if you understand that you can relate to the Holy Spirit as a person who is empowered to teach you and to help you to do good and to go out about doing the ministry that God's called you to do, then you can better appreciate that you don't have to be in the dark. You don't have to stumble. You don't have to not understand what's going on. You can always go to him for more understanding. Before I was even in a church, I was I was saved, but I was at home because I had panic attacks and I was afraid to go out. So I didn't have a lot of religion. Praise God, I didn't. I mean, you know, you get enough on you. But the fact that I didn't have it meant that I was able to just ask God. I had a relationship with God because he was all I had. And so I could ask him anything I wanted to know. And one day I saw on the inside of me a person who... I would I would read the Bible, and this person would come and sit me down in a chair and say, now listen, Barb, let me tell you what you just read. You, you know, And it was that intimate, that forceful, and that direct. And it was though that person was over me breathing words of understanding. It wasn't like teaching like we get in a regular school or anything. This was, was life. This was something direct to me. He was imparting it to me. See, when you teach people in a school, they sit and and write notes, and at the end of the year, you see who was serious. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Okay, little Johnny, we see you was just there. All them F's sitting up there, you know. You can't fail with the inner unction. He won't let you fail. He makes you pay attention. I saw this person grab me by the shoulder and said, now listen, let me tell you what you just read. And as he talked to me, his breath went in me and the words went in me and life within me. And it was like nothing I'd ever experienced before. I said, wow. I said, what kind of teacher was that? 
you know, you had Sister Bridget Marie. Huh? She whoop you with that ruler. You know, I mean, it was just behave. They didn't really care a whole lot. You learned anything. You had to behave, honey. That was number one on the list. And then you'd have teachers that liked you. And you thought you were getting good grades and you got D's. They said, well, you didn't hunt in your homework. Well, I thought you told me you liked me and you told me I didn't have to do all the work. You know, that kind of dumb stuff. And so you had you had school and you had school. You know, nowadays they don't even have school. They got, you know, <laughs> you got crime scene tape around everything. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> so, But this teaching that I was getting was like nothing I'd ever gotten before. I said, boy, this teacher really cares that I learned this. And I thought, I said, well, I better pay attention. And then I realized that every time I read the word, this teacher was there doing that very thing on the inside of me. There was an unction that was teaching me. And as long as I stayed focused on God and what I was reading, searching God, God, what does that mean? Help me with that. Show me that. Tell me this. Give me that. As long as I had, a, I paid attention to the teacher, there was that unction. So you don't have to ask every Tom, Dick, and Harry. I mean, man, we get in trouble asking the wrong people for spiritual information. You know, if you've got questions that you need a ministry gift to answer, a more experienced person in the Lord to answer for you, you know God will lead that person right to you or lead you to that person. He is so totally in charge. That's what it means to be consecrated and separated and set apart for his use. He's in control of this whole thing, and he will make sure that you don't fail. He'll make sure that you have success. He'll make sure that you have everything that you need for success as you deal with him. So there's the inner unction that teaches and the outer unction that comes upon us and changes us into another man. In Luke 4.18, we see where this anointing came upon Jesus. When the anointing comes upon you, is up to God. Now, this is where I get into trouble with people. I'll just be honest with you. I've had people to come to me if they've been in the ministry or, you know, and maybe move or something. I had somebody call me and say, uh, well, I've been in your school of ministry and uh, the church that I'm going to now, they say, you need to give me a certificate saying that, you know, I graduated or something. I said, well, you don't graduate from this school. How you graduate from God? I said, we don't give out certificates. I said, I would like to. Maybe. I don't know. I said, you know, what we're hoping that you will receive is the anointing. And when you got that, you don't need a certificate. The anointing will speak for itself. That is your calling card. I said, so we don't give certificates because there ain't nothing to certify, really. <laughs> I mean, you know, we want to play attendance and we can say you have perfect attendance for, you know, whatever, whatever game y'all want to play. But the anointing, when you receive the anointing, is totally between you and God. 
And once it comes upon you, do you know you don't have to tell people you're anointed? We don't have to try and convince one another that we're anointed. We don't have to sing songs that say we're anointed. We don't have to confess our way into the anointing. The anointing is conferred upon you by God. It's the crowning of God. You know, when when people are in line to be rulers or kings or something, they are anointed for that position. That's a, a natural anointing. But when they assume the throne, it's up to whoever is conferring that on them. Hmm? They always assume that if, say, like in England, if Queen Elizabeth, you know, she's been around a long time. Like she, this girl might go for it. <laughs> she looked good. I mean, you know, really for her age and stuff. But it's assumed that, what's the son's name? Charles. Charles. Yeah, Charles. <clears throat> that he will he will be king after her. But he can't just rush up there and say, well, give me my crown because, you know, people are asking me when I'm going to be king and, you know, they dissing me out there because they don't respect me because I don't have no crown. It's the same thing with the anointing of God even more so. See? See, it's not always respected as a holy thing. You know, we kind of got to watch how casual we get talking about things that are holy and, and sanctified by God and, 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 you know, there's an anointing for everything now. There's an anointing for cars and boats and houses. And See, if you keep thinking anointing is cars, boats, and houses, you won't think it's your neighbor next door who's getting slapped around because her husband's on drugs. You understand what I'm saying? You won't even relate it to that kind of activity because you're always thinking, oh, I'm going to this church because there's anointing for prosperity there. Matthew chapter 3. Okay, 13, Jesus came from Galilee to, to Jordan to John, be baptized of him. And he'll tell you why. It wasn't because he was a dirty, rotten sinner. The Bible says Jesus came to fulfill the law so that he could do away with it. So it wouldn't be a burden to us when we came into the new birth. So it says, verse 14, John refused to do it, saying, I I need to be baptized of you, and are you coming to me? Jesus said to him, Let it be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. He came to fulfill the law. The law required that anybody in human flesh had to be baptized into the Spirit of God or into Christ. And so he says, and he allowed him. Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straight away out of the water, and the heavens were opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, and a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. Now, for many people, they think Jesus was anointed then. 
How many of you have heard that preached? They feel that Jesus received the baptism in the Holy Spirit just like we received the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And that's where Jesus was anointed and that's where we are anointed. Turn over to Luke chapter 4. Go over to verse 16. And he came to Nazareth, Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as was his custom, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And there was delivered unto him the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel. To the poor he hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, recovering of sight to the blind, the anointing for houses, for boats, oh, excuse me. To set at liberty them who are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. He closed the book, gave it back to the minister, sat down, and all the eyes of them in the synagogue were fastened upon him. Why? Because those words were anointed words and that had never happened in that place before. And he said, this day, this scripture is fulfilled in your ears. Now, when was Jesus anointed? This day, right here, Luke 4.18. He was not anointed when they dunked him under the water. Or every Baptist would be filled with the Holy Ghost. And you have no most, now I ain't picking on Baptists today, but you know how most of them feel about that. Now, folks, we can't be slow about things. See, this has brought more confusion to people in the body of Christ because the hardest thing sometimes ministers have to do is to convince people that you are not ready to go and start a healing ministry because you got tongues yesterday. Now, I'm sorry if that hurt some people's feelings, but that is just the truth. You have a seed of that unction that teaches you now in a greater measure. You have a seed of that spirit that will give you the gifts when you need them to operate. You have the teacher operating in full capacity when you receive that greater gift of the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. The other thing that you can't claim, you're... You ever see these people, you ask them if they're baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they say, I, got, I feel like I'm teaching what you taught yesterday. But, you know, it, it, this is something I think people need to get to understand and be clear about. People think that um, when they're, let me see, when you baptize in the Holy Spirit and you speak in tongues, they think that, that that's all they ever need And they don't need teaching beyond that. And somehow God is just going to jump them into things super, you know, by magic or something like that. They can't put it together that God is an intelligent God. 
and that he has to teach you and train you and give you understanding and help you to learn these things before he can put some feeble person in front of you who needs help desperately and you just reach out and try to lay hands on him. There's nothing there. Why would God do that to somebody who's looking for help? In the world, don't they give you their best? Listen, if you go in a doctor's office, you better find some sheepskin hanging up somewhere. If you don't see it out there in the lobby, you in the examining room, you look under the table, you better find something to say that brother done been somewhere and got some credentials and got some skills. Well, it's the same thing with the holy things of God, even more so with us. Even more so, we have to be diligent in our study and diligent in our prayer and diligent in our seeking God and understanding these things so that we don't make assumptions about something so precious and so holy as the power of God that's able to do so much good for people. We have to understand these things. The other thing, sometimes when people receive the Holy Spirit, We'll have these these experiences where people will say things like, well, yeah, I'm baptized in the Holy Spirit, but I haven't released my prayer language yet. How many people heard that? I mean, if there's some people in here, I'm real sorry. You know, but you've got to understand these things. There's no such thing. The Bible says evidence. Tongues is evidence that they got something for real. You can't have an imaginary experience and say you got something, you haven't released it yet. That's like, you know, the people that send you late notices because they don't have, well, I got money in the bank. I just ain't released it yet. Well, your bill collector's going to still come and repo everything that's on that little card if you don't release that. See, nobody will get healed by your baptism that you haven't released yet until you release it. And that's the truth. It's the exercise of the gift that edifies your spirit, that builds up your spirit. I remember seeing some crazy book in the Christian bookstore. That's why I tell some of y'all, don't go in there unless God sends you in there. I mean, people write books that feel like they want to write books. They don't have to have God tell them to write books. To write books, they write them. And some of them can get them in stores easier than the people that God really tells to write books. Huh? But I saw a, a book. The title of it was How to Be Spirit-Filled Without Praying in Tongues. And at first I thought I was misreading and I read it three times. How to be spirit-filled without praying in tongues. And I said, well, why on earth would you want to? (laughs) We've got to understand, folks. That when we talk about the things of God, there must be a reality and a confirmation of what we say we possess. We can't be a bunch of Christians running around with imaginary anointings, with imaginary power, saying that we're going to take over the world and we don't have skill, training, understanding, unction. We don't understand any of this stuff. We've got to have understanding of the things of God. So the unction teaches you. There's an inner unction that teaches you that will force the reality of God into your spirit. There's an anointing also 
that breaks yokes off of the mind so that you can now flow in the mind of Christ and you won't be hindered by your own carnal thinking. See, there are times when you will have people before you that you'll feel led to pray for, you want to minister to, and you can't guess at what to tell them. You have to have a renewing of your mind. You have to have certain yokes broken off of your thinking so that that anointing that works to renew your mind through the word of God and give you the mind of Christ then is able to feed you the necessary information that you need to give people the right answer. And so there is an anointing that works. The Bible says that the word of God is alive and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. It is able to cut apart your soul from your spirit. And when you start applying the word of God to your mind in meditation, Little by little bit, that sword begins to sever away thoughts that would say that person can't be healed, thoughts that would be condemning, thoughts that would be discouraging, thoughts that would tell you it's not possible. And it will start to edify your spirit and bring life to your spirit in such a way that you begin to think possibilities in God. You begin to know all things are possible. You can believe God for miracles even in the face of impending death. You can look at a person and know that you know that you know that as long as God has me here and there is an unction, I can lay hands on this person and God will heal this person no matter what's going on. Miriam Hellman was one of those people. Her mind was so renewed to the word of God that she could go in. She was looking forward to going back to Israel. Remember she gave the testimony about the young man that had laid on a bomb. And and he barely survived. He saved some other men that were with him. But she said the bomb had imploded on the inside of him. And all of his insides were messed up. And she was excited when God told her to go visit him in the hospital. Now how many of us would be excited that God wants us to go see somebody who's that messed up? But see, that unction on the inside of her told her that it was a possibility in God. Her mind didn't say, oh, man, I wish they'd call the preacher down the street. Please don't call me for that case. You know, like many of us would say. We'd look and and we'd weep and, and, and lament the great tragedy that's happening there. But she said when she got the call that she could go and minister She was excited. Why? Because she knows God. She knows that if he sends her, he equips her. God doesn't send you in vain. He doesn't send you for no reason. If he calls you and sends you, it's because you are the best equipped person to do the job. Did you know that? Anybody that you stand before with a need, you are there because you are the best equipped person for the job. God has sent you there because of that reason. And so when you understand these things, you understand the power of the Holy Spirit. You understand these things by unction. You understand these empowerments and how they work. But understand the anointing is that power that does everything. It does a work in you as a minister. It does a work in you as a believer. It prepares you that same anointing that destroys yoke in the sick that you would pray for, that destroys yokes in people that you minister to and and lead to the Lord. You ever have people that you want to lead to Christ and they give you every excuse in the book? 
And it's like, you know, you hit them and they punch you back and you say, hmm, that was pretty good. And they, you know, get you again and you come back with something in God. Well, that's the anointing working to destroy yokes in those people. You're not arguing with somebody trying to win an argument. That's the anointing hammering at that, that yoke because the Holy Spirit sees that that person needs to be saved and he wants them saved. And he won't let you give up. You will be relentless. You know, sometimes you can be ministering to somebody and your mind will say, man, when is this conversation ever going to be over? And you, you know, you come back into your carnal mind a little bit and he's going, man, will you get me out of here because I'm about sick of this. But your spirit keeps coming up with other words to minister to and other things that you can encourage people in simply because that anointing is yet working to give you more and give you more and destroy more yokes, destroy more yokes. So this power, folks, that we carry is a dynamic power. It, it is a power that keeps working, keeps working, keep, it's always working. God's always got another prayer that you can pray. He's always got another word that you can minister. He's always got another. He is the eternal God, and his his mercy endures forever. He is constantly trying to get people to live in his mercy. He's constantly trying to bring people back unto himself. And when we are people who are anointed of God, and we are empowered by God, then we can go out and do the exploits that he wants us to do. Because he has placed us here to do exploits in his place. So the anointing, as it works on the human mind, will destroy yokes of unbelief. How many of you used to believe when you were sick you had no alternative but to go to the doctor? Well, the anointing was applied to your brain so that now doctor is the least of your concerns. Do you understand what I'm saying for most of us? And if that's not the way it is, it can be. Because you can be so converted in your mind that your mind is healed from thinking sick. Your mind thinks well all the time. And when sickness attacks, your mind might consider it for a while, but the anointing destroys again those thoughts that keep coming back and keep coming back. And you finally settle on, you know what? I am healed. I don't have to go to the doctor. I am healed. The anointing destroys the yoke of memories to your emotions. You know, people sometimes they've had all kinds of traumatic things happen in their lives. And if you will understand that there is a yoke that's connecting memories to emotions in there. And that God has an anointing that can destroy that. And when you get prayed for, expect for that thing to be broken and it'll be broken. See, if we just come up for prayer and, you know, you just don't know my situation and we like weeping at the altar and all this emotional stuff. If you will understand that the power of God is there to break that sucker off your brain so that every time you think about Joe Blow, you don't get scared and tense and weepy and you can walk free of that. Why would God leave you here all messed up in your mind for stuff that happens if you're forgiven? And so the anointing has the ability to break yokes. You may have memories, but they're not as dramatic. They're not as hurtful. 
Some of them you can even laugh at. I found myself doing that. I said, I can't believe I used to do stuff like that. You understand what I'm saying? I can't believe I was mad at somebody all those years for that kind of stuff. And so the anointing, when it's applied to your memories, will help you not to get emotionally tied up in there. The anointing can break bad habits. Bad habits. Sometimes it can be as small a habit as, you know, biting nails or picking at things. Anything that's an irritating habit, the anointing can be applied to that and break that thing totally off of your life. Sometimes we'll have the habit, you know, certain times of the year will trigger certain things. Like some people, oh, I've always had hay fever. It's getting be spring. I'm going to go, you know, beef up on the nasal spray, you know, or the allergy pills. You know, those are habitual ways of thinking about things that once your mind is renewed to think new creature, health and healing, the anointing destroys the yoke that connects your mind to the habit of thinking illness is coming towards you and these things are going to happen to you. The anointing will break the yoke of bad experiences, hereditary things, any kind of infirmities, family history of disease. Anything that that wants to attach itself to you. The other thing you need to know is that the anointing follows faith. The anointing follows the word and it confirms the word, but it also follows faith. So that anywhere faith is expressed, the anointing follows faith and will manifest that which we believe. It's how you're able to get healed at the altar. There's nothing really magical or different. It's just that the anointing meets your faith and the two come together to manifest your healing. There are many ways to get healed, but the anointing must meet faith in order for that to happen. So when you're in a place of healing, you have to make sure, number one, that the person praying for you is anointed to heal. I mean, you know, there are people who are anointed. The first anointing really that manifests in believers is the anointing to preach. The Bible says open your mouth and he'll fill it with words. And then as you develop your faith in other areas of the word, then the anointing to do the other operations in Luke 4.18 are present. You will bind up the brokenhearted. You're able to speak comfort to people and not just, you know, blessing their self-pity. But you're able to bring real comfort to people. They will know that they they have risen above whatever it is that's troubling them. And so the anointing is able to do all of those things. It destroys yokes. It allows it not to be put together again and come back upon you again. It keeps you in a place where you are free totally. It keeps you in a place of protection. Even though the anointing may bring trouble into your life, if you stay under it, you can ride through out of it, and it protects you even in very, very difficult situations. So the anointing, folks, is is a power and a presence of God that we as believers need to understand better. We need to respect it more. We need to understand that this holy power of God is something that God has released to do ministry. It's to help people to do good. There is no anointing for material things, folks. The anointing comes to help humanity. 
There are many blessings in God. Don't get me wrong. God will bless you. He will grace you with favor. He will do all kinds of things to you. But don't get that confused with this holy anointing that Jesus had. He walked around in. He wasn't looking for fame and fortune and material things. He said, my kingdom is not of this world. And so we have to understand that the otherworldly anointing is one that will bring blessing to humanity, destroy yokes of bondage and oppression off of humanity, and that will cause us to bring people up to a higher level in God. People can walk away healed. They can walk delivered and free of the enemy's power if the body of Christ will begin to understand and rise up in this anointing and do what God wants us to do. So I'm going to pray for you. I think there may be some people here who need to have the anointing applied. And I especially want to pray for people that have trauma, drama, fear, emotional pain. If that's you, you can come up for prayer. Also, if there are any people here who want the impartation, that they can know that God has empowered them to pray for the sick in a greater measure, the anointing can be imparted as well. So we can do that and we can help you to get stronger in the things of God and go forth and do ministry, go forth and help your family, go forth and help humanity because the anointing is working in you. So why don't we have some music. Um, Bishop Russell, if you want to come up and and, uh, play some and we'll have some music and just let people rest in the Lord and understand what God wants to do and stir them up to Come on up and get prayer. We can pray for people. I think God wants to put an utter end to some things that have bugged people for a while. So if we will allow God to work and and believe and use your faith, the anointing follows your faith. And the anointing will help us to to get the work done because it's all God. When it's the anointing, it's all God. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You want to come up? Come on up for prayer now. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God.
understand about the anointing a little better now, the power of God and how that works. The power is for you. Understand that the anointing is the Holy Spirit and he is your friend. And it is for you to help you in your life and also to help you to help other people. So I just want to encourage you to just make the decision to step out and be bold when God moves upon you to speak. Just step up and speak. That's how it starts. That's how it continues. And that's how it grows. As you step out and use what God has given you already, he gives you more. He'll always be there for you. Never be afraid of man. Don't be afraid of the looks of the people. Don't be afraid of the reaction of the people. Just let God handle it. Because it's not you anymore. It's God. And it's his spirit and it's his will that we go forth boldly and confidently to do the things that God has set us in the earth to do. The anointing is always there for you, folks. There's always another prayer. There's always another opportunity. You're never out of the game when you just resist, I mean, rely on God and understand that his power is there to help you. It's always there to help you. So if there's anybody else that needs prayer for anything else, we'll give you one last altar call, one last opportunity come up. There is a specific thing that God has told me that he wants me to pray for, that he's given me the anointing to break for right now. And there's there's somebody who's been putting off doing something that you know you're supposed to do. You know God's told you to do it. But your mind keeps fighting you and telling you not to do it. And you you have a sense that you should and then you shouldn't. It's kind of an indecision, but you're really somehow fighting the unction of God to to step up and, and do whatever it is that he wants you to do or that you desire to do. So if that's you, we'll have one more altar call and I'll pray for you and I'll ask Pastor Shirley to help me if there's a lot of us here. But God wants to break that. That's a an unbelief still trying to attach itself to your thinking and keep you from going forward in the spiritual power that's there for you. So if there's somebody who feels like they just can't get it moving or you desire to do something and just can't make up your mind to step out in confidence and boldness to do what it is that that you feel you want to do you can come on up now and I'll pray for you sometimes it's in the form of just not being able to feel confident that God wants that for you so if you have that something pulling you back all the time and drawing you back uh, we'll pray for that and ask God to, to get that off of you just so you can be free you know you need to be free if you decide you don't want it you decide it's not God after all that's okay too but God doesn't want you being held back by things like that 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 aren't supposed to hinder you be free in Jesus name